Let's take our Bibles and go to Matthew chapter 17. Got to switch things up today. If you're following social media, I tried to uh, give you a little warning, heads up, of out of some necessity changing the message this morning. We will be back in Revelation next Sunday, God willing. And yet God has allowed us to come to this text of scripture to remind us that he can move a mountain. Amen? Amen. No doubt. At the end of this message, which will be brief, I will share with you some things that we are facing as a congregation. Uh, but as we get there, I want to remind you of the word first, because that's far more important. How many know what God can do is far greater than the problems that we face? Amen. And so I want to go to truth first. I want to listen to truth, because the voice of truth always tells you a different story. Some years ago, God impressed upon me uh, this passage, as well as a passage from Daniel chapter number 10 and Isaiah chapter 58 about the importance of prayer and fasting in the Christian experience. Uh, I have personally uh, done some extended fasting, typically over uh, usually uh, some kind of need, some kind of direction, some kind of crisis. Which is, which is certainly biblical. Sometimes you find yourself up against a wall. Sometimes you find yourself with, with a lack of clarity. Sometimes you, by the way, I'm not resigning. Okay, I know that, that, that probably, I want to go ahead and get that out of there, okay? I, I, there's a few of y'all looking at me funny, okay? I, I just, I do, seriously, I want to say that. I mean that. I'm not, okay? Has, this has nothing to do with me, my family, or anything like that. Not, not, frankly, nothing to do with anybody sitting in this room, honestly, Okay? So can we just take a deep breath real quick, okay, everybody? Just take a deep breath, let it out. Okay, we're gonna be, we're gonna be okay. Some of y'all, that that that's some of y'all are like, man, I was hoping he was gonna kick it one of these days. No, no, no. You're stuck. You're stuck. You're stuck with me. Uh, but there have been many times uh, where God has shown me that I needed to enter into a season of prayer and fasting. Often. Um, resulting in extraordinary answers to prayer, amazing clarity in my relationship with God. And at the end of this message, I'm going to invite all of you to join me. I will start an extended fast tomorrow. So I'm going to eat today, y'all. <laughs> and I'll explain more about that in a minute. Most of you know, and some of you don't because you're new, but in 2007, my wife and I were praying about having children. We've been married five years without any kids. God put it on our heart uh, that year to... Uh, you know, pray and fast and ask God. And uh, in Daniel 10, Daniel prayed for 21 days. 21 days. And I just took that and I said, you know what? If Daniel did it, I can do it. I did it. And it was wild. Um, the result is my uh, almost 16-year-old daughter, Adriana, who we found out about seven days after the fast ended in July of 2007 she was born just a couple months later and it it, it always reminds me that that's that when God puts it on your heart to get closer to him to draw to him in a special way to ask 
and pray for mountains that cannot be moved on your own, that you just do it. You do what he wants you to do, and he has a way of answering and getting through. And uh, so I'm going to challenge you about that today. I want to read this story from Matthew chapter 17 as we get started, beginning at verse 14. The Bible says, when they came, uh, when they had come to the multitude, a man came to him kneeling down to him and saying, Lord, have mercy on my son, for he is an epileptic and suffers severely. For he often falls into the fire and often into the water. Now let me stop there. Many people would believe that he was suicidal. These were suicide attempts. He was trying to burn himself. He was trying to drown himself unsuccessfully. The boy, because of his physical suffering, had led him into spiritual suffering and agony, which is not incredibly uncommon. But look at verse 16. So, I brought him to your disciples, but they could not cure him. Now, interestingly, if you go backwards, you find that Jesus had given them this authority. In Matthew chapter number 9 and other places, he has, he has sent them out to do this work. And, and evidently, on one of these journeys, one of these missions, if you will, the disciples were healing and performing miracles, and then this man is like, wow, you know, they're doing that, so let me bring my son, who obviously needs something, so I'm going to bring him to the, to the healing rally, okay? And the Bible says, for whatever reason, the disciples were unable to do anything about this situation. You ever found yourself there? Unable to do something about a situation, no matter how hard you tried, no matter how hard you prayed, no matter, no matter if you've done it before, seen it happen before, that's where they are. Verse 17, Jesus answered and said, O faithless and perverse generation, how long shall I be with you? How long shall I bear with you? Bring him here to me. And how many of you know the ultimate answer for everybody is to get to Jesus, okay? That's really what needs to happen. And Jesus rebuked the demon, verse 18, and it came out from him, and the child was cured from that very hour. Then the disciples came to Jesus privately and said, why could we not cast it out? So Jesus said to them, because of your unbelief. For assuredly, I say to you, if you have faith as a mustard seed, you will say to this mountain, move from here to there, and it will move. And nothing will be impossible for you. Amen. Howbeit, however, this kind or this kind of miracle, this action, what just happened, will not, does not go out but by prayer and fasting. And so I want to share with you for a few moments this message today. He can move a mountain. He can move a mountain. Now I'm going to share with you some things corporately that God is going to have to move for us. But probably there's somebody here this morning already that you needed to hear that word just walking in the door. Because you have a mountain. You're like the children of Israel leaving, uh, leaving the uh, land of Egypt and they come up against the Red Sea and they've got the sea in front of them. They can't go across. There's no way across. They don't have time to build boats. They don't have time to uh, train everybody to swim. On either side of them, there are mountain ranges, which would have been too difficult to take these children and women through. And then behind them, they've got the enclosing uh, mountain of, of this army 
of the Egyptians closing in behind them. So what did they need to do? They needed God to, to make a new way that wasn't there yet, right? So what did God do? God split the Red Sea open and let the children of Israel walk across on dry ground to the other side, and then he drowned the Egyptians in the same water that he pushed back to let the Israelites through. You say, you don't, you don't believe stories like that in the Bible, friend. You'd be surprised what I believe. I believe every word of that book right there uh, that's on that desk and is sitting in front of your lap or is on your phone screen or on your iPad screen this morning. I sure do believe that. Good night. I believe God created the world in six literal days out of nothing. I believe that. Absolutely. I believe when Joshua needed the sun to stand still to fight the battle against the Amalekites, I believe with all my heart that God reached out, pinched the sun in its place, and the sun stood right where it was for just the amount of time that God needed to finish that battle. I believe that with all my heart, friend. I believe that Elijah was used by God to call down fire from Mount Carmel. I believe uh, that Daniel slept on lions like they were big bean bags for a night while he trusted God to take care of it. I believe when Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego got thrown in the fiery furnace that Jesus stood right in there with them and walked them through it. And you couldn't even smell smoke on their clothes when it was done. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I believe Jesus was born of a virgin. I believe that Jesus Christ never sinned. I believe that he was fully God, fully man. I believe that Jesus Christ healed the sick. I believe he gave sight to the blind. I believe he raised people from the dead. And I believe three days after him himself died, he kicked the ends of the grave out, walked out alive himself, and is seated at the right hand of God today. I believe this book. Sure. This is no problem. So let me share with you three statements and I'll get to it. Number one, you will face mountains you cannot move. This, in this text, the mountain was this boy. But, and the boy, the, the specifically that the boy tried to get healed, which they had every right, every power, every authority to do, but for whatever reason, it didn't happen. So this mountain for these disciples was this boy and his problem. That's clear. So what is your mountain today? What mountain do you face right now relationally, financially, personally, spiritually? A mountain that you cannot move, a worry that you cannot shake, a bill that you cannot pay, a sin that you cannot overcome, faith that you can't seem to grab a hold of and exercise. A, 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 a desire to be faithful that you just can't muster up, a, a marriage. That's, that's, that's hanging on by an absolute thread near a fireplace. What is it today? What, what, and if you don't have one right now, you probably have had one before, or you're about to face one that, that, that you can't move. And how many of you know, sometimes you come up against mountains and there's just nothing you can do about it. There's no, you're not going to get your uh, ropes to climb over it because it's too steep and, and you're, you're, not gonna, you're not going to scale around it. You can't get around it. You're, you're not going to walk through it. You don't have a bulldozer big enough to, to push through the mountain. And so you're going to face mountains that you cannot move. And I want to tell you, friend, when I look at this in my life, I don't know about you, but I have found that the moments in my life where I face a mountain that I cannot move, those are always the moments that push me closer to Jesus and remind me the second truth is this, that God can move mountains that you cannot move, right? So when I cannot move a mountain, when there's nothing that I can do, that's number two on the screen there. Sorry, I'm not being real clear this morning. I'm kind of everywhere. I don't even know if that's what I said. Yeah, yep, God can move it. See, I came up with this pretty last minute, okay? So y'all just hang in there. Everybody's going to be okay. We're going to get through this. But listen, hey, look what the screen says, folks. 
If you have a mountain that you cannot move, here's what you also know. God can move the mountain that you cannot move. Can he? That's what he said. He said, look, he said the problem here is a faith problem, and you need to realize if you had faith just as a grain of mustard seed, you could say to this mountain, move, and it will be moved. And God will take it and lift it up and move it and throw it into the sea out of your way. So, so when you face a mountain that you cannot move, the second thing that you need to know from this text is that God can move mountains that you cannot move. And I, and I, I preach this message, there's three reasons. The one is the most important I'm going to share in a minute. But there's two things that our church just kind of faces right in front of us. And one is what I believe to be just quite honestly a need for revival. I think we're cold. I think you're cold. I think I'm cold. I think we're lukewarm. And I think God throws lukewarm things up out of his mouth. I'm not trying to be unkind. I'm talking to me. I think we need revival. We've got a revival meeting coming up in three weeks. But at this moment, all it is is a meeting. All it is is a date on a calendar. All it is is a few thousand dollars of flying preachers in here and having a couple services and feeding you guys brisket on Saturday night and having a good time. Okay, that's pretty much all it is at this point. But folks, I think this is strategic. I think God had it on the calendar right when it needed to be on the calendar. And I think that God is moving us toward this meeting. And I don't want to just have another meeting. I don't just want to hear a good sermon. I think God needs to shake us up a little bit. I really do. I think God needs to do something in our lives. I mean, there are people in this room that are that me. I mean, last week I shared the gospel with a guy. And I got to thinking to myself, I mean, this is, this is the first time I personally have shared the gospel with someone in weeks. I don't like that. Last Sunday was the first time we had a baptism in four or five weeks. And you say, well, that, my goodness, I've been in churches that never had baptisms. Well, I'm sorry about that. That's not been the way it's been at River City Baptist Church. And that's not the way it can continue to go. Are y'all listening to me? Look, people need to get saved. And the way that people get saved is that they get the gospel. And the way they get the gospel is because of God's people who love Jesus share the gospel with people that don't know Jesus so that they can hear about Jesus. And I just think, you know what, this is a wonderful church. I'm so thankful. And, and I'll share some things about its history here in just a moment. You guys, most of you guys, I'm just telling you, most of you that are sitting in this room right now would not have want to went to 1051 Arlington Road eight years ago to start coming to church where I was. In fact, Greg, I remember people, people just like some of you guys. Walking in that church with their nice clothes on and their little kids with their matching bows pulling up in the ghetto in their Suburbans or their Yukons and walking in there and like dodging bullets as they went in there, no joke. And when they left the auditorium, I remember this, I remember this, this happened so many times, I lost count and got so discouraged every time it happened. Somebody would walk up to me in the lobby and say, man, we love this, we love this church, we love your preaching. We just can't come to church here. It's too scary, it's too dangerous, and I wanted to just shake people and say, well, good night, if good people won't come and be faithful, what are you expecting us to do? And now here we are in a beautiful auditorium, in a prime location with amazing accommodations and a, an amazing worship team and great people all around us. I mean, who doesn't want to come to church here now? And because of that, what happens is you can get complacent. You can get complacent in your relationship with God. You can get complacent in serving. There are people that are complacent in giving. There are people that are complacent in being faithful in attendance. And it's just 
kind of complacent. We're just kind of there. You know what we need? We need God to move the mountains in our heart right now that are causing us to have a spirit of apathy in our lives. And I'm, I'm asking God to do that. Number two, there are just crazy enough things that are just literally happening all at the same time, namely air conditioning problems. You know, God's blessed our church in a crazy way. Do you know last year, this time last year, uh, the amount of money that this church had in the bank has been multiplied by five from this time last year to this year, multiplied by five after planting two churches. Somebody better say amen right now. I'm talking about God multiplying what's happening here in a crazy, crazy way. And as that blessing has been multiplied, there have been things falling apart all around us. I mean, like it's like every air conditioner in the entire building decided to go out all at once. And folks, listen, you start looking at um, uh, commercial HVAC systems, you're not talking about hundreds of dollars or thousands of dollars. You're talking about tens of thousands, scores of thousands of dollars, just bang. It takes the air out of you. You know what I believe? I believe God's got a bigger paycheck in his account. He can do whatever he wants. And he might use you. I don't know what he's going to do, but I believe we need to start praying about it. We need to start praying about it. And I'll share with you the other one in just a few minutes, but, and the other one's the biggest one of all of them. Folks, I'm just here to tell you right now, there are some mountains at, in front of the River City Baptist Church that we need God to step in and move. Okay, so how does God move mountains that we cannot move? And the third point is this, that God uses people of faith to move mountains. Now, I want you to see something. It's very interesting. Look at what Jesus says in verse 20. Because of your unbelief, he laid, he laid, this, um, he laid this, this responsibility on them. For assuredly, I say to you, if, circle the word you, if you, he says, have faith as a mustard seed. Look at this. You will say, circle that. You will say. Now, who moved the mountain? The people or God? Somebody, that's not a trick question. Who moved the mountain? The people or God? Who moved the mountain? God, absolutely God moved the mountain. But how did God move the mountain? God moved the mountain when people of faith exercised their faith in him. And how do they exercise their faith in him? Answers in verse number 21. The way that we often exercise faith in God uh, in, and when we are facing mountains that we cannot move is we pray and we fast. We know what prayer is, folks. Prayer is asking God. Prayer is getting a, 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 a communication with God. Fundamentally, prayer is asking God. And I'm asking you to come with me over the next few weeks and pray for revival. I'm asking you to come with me the next few weeks and pray that God will supply financial needs so that we can keep this old building moving forward the way that God wants it to move forward. But I'm asking you, maybe there's some things on your heart. I'm, I'm, I'm inviting you. You got something that you're praying about? You bring that to me. Because if I'm asking you to pray for me, then I'm, uh, then I'm willing to let you ask me to pray for you. And I'm telling you right now, I've already marked it off on the calendar uh, at least the next seven days, starting tomorrow morning, every meal for an entire week. And I'm planning on doing two. I'm going to fast and pray every day. I'm not planning on eating. God knows my heart from, from tomorrow morning. Uh, from tonight, I guess, until the next time we gather next week. And I've already, I've already signed myself up, folks. I'm not asking anybody here to do something that I'm not going to do. And, folks, when it comes time to give in December, you better bet, I'll be the first one to write as big of a check as I can possibly write uh, into this offering so that God can supply the need. I'm all in, folks. I'm all in. I'm all in. 
And you may say, well, we got, we got a prayer request. We're trying to have a baby. We can't have a baby. We're, well, we're, 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 we're needing a God to provide a home for us. I'm, I'm looking for a job. I need a job. Hey, friend, you pray for me, and I'm going to pray for you, and we're going to come together, and we're going to pray together. Anytime these next several weeks you want to pray, you call me. I'm here. I ain't going to be going to lunch. I ain't going to be going to breakfast with you, but we can go pray together if you want to, okay? That's what we need to do. So we pray, number one, but then watch this. We fast. Do you know what fasting is? Okay, listen, I, look, God bless y'all's hearts. They're from Independent Baptist Churches, okay, that, you know, we fasted from television. I'm not talking about fasting from television. Lord, help us. Uh, I sure ain't fasting from television during football season. Somebody help me right up here. No, sir. And I appreciate, I appreciate all those applications of fasting, but that's not what fasting is. Let me tell you what fasting is. When you wake up in the morning and eat, you eat a meal that is called break fast it means i did not eat through the night so i wake up and i break fast okay so what is fasting fasting is not eating drinking water only not eating and devoting the time that i would give to a meal to pray it is an act of faith it is an act of sacrifice. It is an act that demonstrates to God that I'm serious about what I need and I'm putting you first. I'm, I, I'm putting you above my necessary food. And I'm asking you to answer my prayer. And let me tell you something, friend. God gets in that business. He gets involved in that business. Isaiah chapter 58 verse 6 says, is this not the fast that I have chosen to loose the bonds of wickedness, to undo heavy burdens, to let the oppressed go free, and, that the, and to break every yoke? Is it not to share your bread with the hungry, and that you might bring to your house the poor who are cast out? Then your light will break forth like the dawn, and your healing will appear quickly. Here I am. If you do away with the yoke of oppression, with the pointing finger and the malicious talk, why would we fast? And I think Isaiah chapter 58 gives us at least uh, six reasons why. We would fast to break an addiction. Notice he says there, we fast to, to loose the bonds of wickedness. Look, if you are in sin today, you can fast and pray and God can break you of your chains. Number two, to solve problems, to undo heavy burdens, things that I can't solve, things that are weighing me down, I can roll them over to God that he can solve them, to let the oppressed go free. You realize we can fast to conquer mental and emotional anguish and see justice brought to any situation. How about this? We can fast in order to help others because if all of a sudden your grocery bill and your eating out bill goes down, guess what you can now do? Feed somebody who's actually hungry. And we can fast and pray, according to Isaiah 56 in verse number 8, to let light break forth like dawn. Meaning to have vision to see the, the steps we're supposed to take when we don't know where to go.